are listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny, a listener-supported podcast located at revelationsradionews.com. to you from the sunny forest of Meadowdale, Washington, where I am hoping that a damp swimsuit is the proper attire to wear on the moon. I am one of your hosts, and my name is Tim Kilkenny. And from the newly sunny Cascade Locks, Oregon, I'm Andrew Hoffman. Sunny in the Northwest. Yeah, starting today. Last couple days, not so much. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. So this morning I did took both of the children's to swim practice and uh, my daughter, very young, only nine months old. So naturally, it's essentially I'm in the pool <laughs> moving her around and whatnot. So uh, coming coming to you with a uh, slightly damp uh, swimsuit still on because it was get home, eat eat lunch quick put the kids down for a nap and then we're back out and we're doing a podcast. I checked on the stock market and it looks like next stop moon. So hopefully, uh, hopefully I can wear this when we get there. So <laughs> how are you doing, Mr. Hoffman? Uh, I've, you know, been up since about four this morning, not on purpose, but other than that, doing okay. Well, good for you. Good for you. Uh, as you can see or hear, that was a brand new intro, and that was brought to us by a man named Simon from Switzerland, and we greatly appreciate Simon. Thank you very much for being a producer of this show, for creating an audio intro for us uh, that we can do on our show. I don't know if you caught this, Andrew, but uh, there were some horns in there, and uh, he wanted the horns to uh, be representative of the horns in the book of Revelation. So, Oh, nice. That was nice. kind of the idea behind the mix. So we appreciate Simon creating that for us. And uh, if anybody else has any ideas for intro music, you're welcome to send it along. And we will use this one until we get something else that we like. And then we'll maybe use that one or maybe we'll alternate them. But uh, we just really appreciate everybody uh, kind of pitching in and helping us do the show. We've been doing it weekly, and we've been getting some donations, and that really helps. But if we could also get kind of donations in time and talent, which would be just you producing clips or you sending us stories or even uh, you producing artwork. I know I've had the same boring artwork on our uh, podcast for a very long time. And I'll have everyone know we have an extremely famous artist who listens to this show. And I reached out to him, and he said that he couldn't do it. <laughs> but he does really, really high-end Batman uh, animation and uh, has been listening to the show. He said, yeah, he's happy that we're started back up, but he is swamped with work and doesn't doesn't have the time to do it. So if anybody out there has an idea or some time to do a little artwork, we are more than happy to, uh, to throw that in there. So... Uh, also, want to welcome any uh, people coming over from the Corbett Report. Feels like most of our listeners are either from way back in the day when we started, or crossover from uh, the Corbett Report, which is nice. It's a good, good group of listeners, and uh, we've been getting a lot of email and feedback uh, from you folks, and we appreciate you guys tuning in and listening to our show. So, uh, without further ado, I guess we should kind of get into it. Yeah, and I I do have one other homework assignment for people, but I'll. 
that'll be coming later. So. It'll be coming later. Yeah. Well, I wanted to. There was there is a few people, and you know, it's funny they're in No Agenda Social or they're in different places that, you know, they they say to us things like, "I've listened ever since the beginning," and uh, we do really really appreciate you guys are like the gold star winners of uh, Revelations <laughs> Radio News, especially since, I mean, there's at least two full like calendar years in there like january to december where we didn't produce a thing but yet you stayed subscribed and stayed with us and we appreciate you uh one of them reached out to me and said hey tim we got to hear an oldie but a goodie and that's uh jordanus maximus as he called himself otherwise known as jordan maxwell explaining (laughs) how he handles the uh donuts when they were brought to his house as a child and how he claims them. And if you don't know who Jordan Maxwell is, well, I envy you. And if you, <laughs> if you do know who he is, you remember he's the YouTube star who, uh, in the late 2010s, is that what they were called? The late 2008, no. 2009, 2010 ish. Well, that's the, that's the O-Ot. Oh, that's the O, whatever, <laughs> whatever that is. But he was going on there and he was debunking Christianity and debunking all the things to do with Christianity and, some guy named Chris White came along, made a debunkumentary, and uh, almost single-handedly took down Jordan Maxwell's popularity quite a bit. But he had a uh, good clip about donuts, and uh, it was re- requested that we play it on the show. So uh, here we go. My dad used to go on Sunday mornings to the uh, to the donut shop, and he would bring back a, a big bunch of donuts, but there would always be a couple of chocolate donuts. i take the chocolate <laughs> donuts and lick them and put them back in the box. <laughs> that's one way to handle it you know the the low-key craziest part of that clip is who likes chocolate covered donuts gross <laughs> bro all about not, the maple bars if it's not a glazed old-fashioned i don't want it uh, ma- maple bars where it's get old fashions get on my level I don't think you understand. I don't think you understand how many donuts we consume in the South. We exercise. We do all. We eat healthy. My son eats all kinds of fruit and vegetables and everything. But the kids got a got a donut issue. <laughs> Daddy, oh, really? and it's like it's become our thing. Like, Daddy, can you get me a donut? And I'm kind of a sucker. I don't, you know, when I am spending time with him, I want to be sure that he's having fun. And so, and I don't know, a lot of donuts eating around here. So, matter of fact, this morning we got the uh, the the glazed old fashioned. But so. but no chocolate donuts. No, uh, to, to to your point. Yeah, not, not a lot of chocolate donuts. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm gonna start out with something silly, then I'll do a story, and then we'll move on with uh, some things that you know. There's just too much news really to talk about at this point. There is so much going on, and uh, it's kind of crazy. So, where do we go first? We've got stacks of news on my desk here. <laughs> I mean, come back after the break. We're going to have the biggest news ever. <laughs> I promised I'd take your calls. Right. <laughs> well, let's see if you can hear this. Hopefully, let me know if you can hear this, Andrew, and uh, we're going to get right into it. This is Amazon's new product, the Echo Frames. Introducing Echo Frames, eyeglasses that let you take Alexa with you. Alexa, good morning. Good morning. Your next event is coffee with Rebecca at 9 a.m. Echo Frames direct sound straight to your ears so you can discreetly hear Alexa. And with no cameras or displays, you're free to see the world around you. They work with your phone and are controlled by your voice, helping you get things done without getting in your way. Alexa, call Jamie. Got the raspberries? They're on the way. Perfect. 
Echo frames are designed around your privacy. You can turn off the microphone anytime. Never miss what's important. With VIP filter, you choose the notifications Alexa reads to you and which ones stay on your phone. Message from Ethan. Swipe for more. Change of plans. Meet me at the trailhead in 20 minutes. Get the weather, news, or settle an important debate. The fastest slap shot ever recorded was 110.3 miles per hour. So was I right? You're right. Knew it. Play a little music or your favorite podcast without missing a beat. Alexa, resume my podcast. Okay. Just ask to check your calendar, manage your to-do list, or add a new favorite spot. <laughs> Alexa, add Renzu Sushi to our favorite restaurant list. Alexa can even help you capture a moment of inspiration. Alexa, remind me to try a faster tempo when I get to work. Okay. I'll remind you at work. Alexa, turn on the patio lights. Echo Frames and Alexa keep you in the moment, so you never miss it. The transhumanist agenda continues in... Uh, it's wearable tech tech. We go from phones to wearable glasses to. So the echo frames are glasses. Absolutely. Yep. Oh, okay. Yep. They are the newest glasses from Amazon and uh, you can bring Alexa with you, but this show has been around for a while. As we talked about in uh, our previous podcast, we've been around since 2011. So I actually still remember some of the old stuff. Do you remember some of the old stuff? Well, the Back original the... Alexa, or what, what are we referring to? We're referring to an old earpiece by Jarvis. <laughs> hey, Jarvis, what do I say to the people making fun of my stupid giant earpiece? <laughs> I do not remember that. <laughs> sounds, sounds, like, sounds like you had a good take on it, even uh, in the my... early yeah <laughs> believe it or not my opinion on this type of tech tech hasn't changed it hasn't changed at all no okay fair enough uh now to my one story before we get started on all of the other things this is from a person i support a person i like uh matt taibbi a little bit uh left-leaning for my taste sometimes but really you know, one of the last kind of investigative reporters out there. He actually does, you know, cool stuff and uh, actually, you know, does investigative journalism, which is kind of unheard of in this day and age. Um, and he has this little thing on Substack. You pay $5 a month or I don't remember if it's $5 a month or $10 a year. I don't remember what it is, but I subscribed. I get his emails. I really like it. Uh, but I'll read maybe just at least the first part of this uh, article. Fact checking takes another beating. And Matt Taibbi is definitely not an alternative news source. I guess now that he's on Substack, he is. Maybe he is you know, not quite as woke as your mainstream media. But uh, it's nice to hear someone a little bit more mainstream uh, kind of come up with this uh, take on things, which is, I think, the take that you and I both share and, and most of our listeners. And, of course, uh, fact checking takes another beating. 
The news business just can't stop clowning itself. The latest indignity is an international fact-checking debacle originating, of all places, at a festival of fact-checking. <laughs> Can you imagine going to a festival of fact-checking? The, the Pointer Institute is perhaps the most respected think tank in our business, an organization seeking to fortify journalism's role in a free society, among other things. Though, or excuse me, through its sponsorship of the fact-checking outlet PolitiFact. A few weeks back, it had a virtual convention called the United Facts of America, a festival of fact-checking. <laughs> I will note uh, the Pointer Institute, funded mainly by Facebook, Google, and most of your tech, your tech oligarchies. The three-day event featured guests Christine Amanpour, Dr. Anthony Fauci, Brian Stelter, uh, Senator Mark Warner, and a lineup of fact stars who ironic energy recalled the USO's telethon execution of Terrence and Philip before the invasion of Canada in South Park's Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Tickets were $50, but if you wanted a private virtual happy hour with Stelzer, you needed to pay $100 for the VIP experience. With Brian <laughs> Stelter? Yes. During the confab, PolitiFact's Katie Sanders asked Fauci, are you still confident that COVID-19 developed naturally? To which the convivial doctor answered, no, I'm not convinced of that going on to say we should continue to investigate all hypotheses about how the pandemic began conservatives in particular were quick to point out that fauci had said last year everything about the stepwise evolution over time indicates that this virus evolved in nature and then jumped species at that time last may of course the issue of the pandemic's origin had already long been been politicized with donald trump administering an anxious uh, administration anxious to point a finger at China for causing the disaster. Mike Pompeo went so far as to say there was enormous evidence the disease had been created at a Wuhan Institute of Virology. Fauci was touted as a hero for pushing back on this and many other things. Fauci's new quote about not being convinced that COVID-19 has natural origin, however, is part of what's becoming a rather ostentatious change of heart within the officialdom about the viability of the so-called lab origin hypothesis. Through 2020, officials and mainstream press shut down most every discussion on that score. Reporters were heavily influenced by a group letter signed by 27 eminent vi virologists in The Lancet last February, in which the authors say they strongly condemn the conspiracy theory suggesting that COVID-19 does not have a natural origin. Also, by the nat uh, Nature Medicine letter last uh, March, saying our analysis clearly shows that SARS-CoV-2 is not a laboratory construct. The consensus was so strong that some well-known voices saw social media accounts suspended or closed for speculating about COVID-19 having a lab origin. One of those was University of Hong Kong virologist Dr. Lee Men Yan, who went on Tucker Carlson's show last September 15th to say COVID is a man-made virus created in the lab. After that appearance, PolitiFact, Pointer's PolitiFact, gave the statement its dreaded pants-on-fire rating. About a, By the way, is there anything more condescending than pants on fire rating from PolitiFact. <laughs> I mean, the first time someone linked me to this, I thought it was a joke. They were yeah. like, no, oh, this has been debunked. Look, it's a pants on fire. It's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> About a half a year later in February 2021, The Who made a visit to China. Apparently, some delegation left with a few doubts about the natural origins, left with few doubts about the natural origin of the virus, even though The Who report declared a lab origin theory extremely unlikely. From there came a procession of scientists demanding that the lab origin possibility be taken seriously, including a letter signed by 18 experts in science. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, let's see. 
when the Wall Street Journal came out with a story that had previously undisclosed U.S. intelligence report. U.S. intelligence report detailed how three Wuhan researchers became sick enough to be hospitalized in November of 2019. The toothpaste was fully out of the tube, and there was no longer any way to say the lab origin hypothesis was too silly to be reported upon. That's not to say the lab origin theory is correct at all. However, that's irrelevant to the issue at hand. Despite what you have, may have been led to believe, fact checkers don't exist to get things 100% of or get things right 100% of the time. They're there as a threadbare last-ditch safety mechanism, which news organizations employ as a means of preventing public face plants. In any case, by May 17th, just days after its festival of fact-checking, Pointer slash PolitiFact had to issue a correction to its 20, September 2020 Pants on Fire ruling on the lab origin story. Writing, when this fact check was first published in September 2020, PolitiFact sources included researchers who asserted the SARS-CoV virus could not have been manipulated. That assertion is now more widely disputed. For that reason, we are removing the fact check from the database in order to append a more thorough review. Mm. I want everybody to listen to these sentences one more time clearly. Stop what you're doing and listen to the words I'm saying. This is a fact-checking organization that people rely on for fact-checking. When this fact-check was first published in September 2020, PolitiFact sources included researchers who asserted the SARS-CoV virus could not have been manipulated. Not a single fact in there. Really? All <laughs> I'm saying is that it included researchers who asserted. It includes researchers who asserted. What kind of fact is this? So the people that they spoke to said, hey, it's not real. Okay. That assertion is now more widely disputed. Still no fact. Not a fact. The, the assertion is still up for there's yeah, a debate. Yeah, still it's like, uh, you know, it's just kind of a he said, she said thing. Yeah. Without saying that. that their sources, if they were the same as the Facebook sources, literally worked in the Wuhan laboratory on gain-of-function research. Absolutely. For that reason, we are removing this fact check from our database pending a more thorough review. They presented no facts. They presented what someone else had told them. The researchers who asserted what they thought was what had happened, they now understand that that is more widely criticized and have changed it. Again, language is a weapon. They're using it against us. There's not a single fact in this redaction. There's no, it actually became determined that such and such happened on such and such date, and that's why we made this mistake, or now that's why we're issuing this correction. It's just hey, you know what, it's more widely disputed, so we're going to go ahead and remove this. Because, you know, the gates have moved. The gatekeeper mm -hmm. that, that well, we are and, is, know, moving, the, is moving it down. The election's over, so, you know, it's, it's less important now. There you go. Fact-checking takes another beating from Matt Taibbi. This, of course, will be in the show notes of, uh, of our show. I just thought that was interesting to read, and I think it – it's can it's more walking back. I think we're seeing it across every area of life right now. They're just they're walking back a lot of this stuff, at least here in the United States. It, and it makes you wonder why. Because uh, we're on our way to the next stage of the Great Reset, which is a which is a economic reset, which is a complete breakdown of the global supply chain. I, I mean, don't know. Well, so this story and the Bill Gates story both seem kind of unforced to me like it, it it's not like 
the people paying attention to real information didn't know this a year and a half ago or, yep. you know, yep. over a year ago. I mean, let's, let's, let's shoot this. Let's shoot it straight. Okay. When did you in particular first hear about the Wuhan lab leak in November of 2019? What, what, just give me a month in, in year when you first heard about that. Well, we can look up when the Corbett report episodes came out, but talking April? about April. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. This was January or February, I think. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, almost I a year and a half ago. But, uh, you know, and, and he wasn't just talking about lab leak. He was talking about, you know, Fauci and NIH funding gain of function research and the people debunking the lab leak thing being the same researchers <laughs> doing gain of function research. And I mean, all that was, was out there. So I guess my point, though, is that was all out there. For anyone paying attention, um, even you know the Tucker Carlson level of kind of limited hangout uh, has been out there since September, I guess. And yet now they're, you know, it's kind of started with that Robert Redfield interview, the 60 Minutes thing, where they let him talk about it, and so it's gone from crazy conspiracy theory, debunked conspiracy theory, pants on fire conspiracy theory. <laughs> To oh okay yeah that probably happened and even Fauci saying like, yeah you know can't rule it out. Let me let me insert one one more step in this progression that you may have forgotten but we actually played on this show. Remember Bill Maher? Bill Maher actually had a couple scientists on his show who were like mm. yeah this is from you know and I was just like what what is right what's going on, what's going on here this doesn't seem like a Bill's normal thing and that was the same from the Washington on, Post just the Washington Post guy yeah right and that was the same episode I think where he called out you know, the liberal media for completely snow jobbing all liberals, you know, who think that if you catch it, you have like a, you know, two thirds chance of dying or whatever mm-hmm. the crazy number was. So I don't understand it either. It's the, the, I love it. I'm sitting back enjoying it. Bill Gates and Fauci being demonized by everyone. I'm into it. It's my, that's my deal. That's my jam. What's next. It. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm into it too. I'm just wondering why waiting for it the other shoe to come. I agree. It seems too easy. So the speaking of mainstreamy or left leaning people coming around to you know stuff we've known for over a year, um, it's too long of a clip to play. Um, oh, what's his name? I might have to have you play the beginning of it just to get the okay. Um, let me take a quick look. Uh, Brett Weinstein. So Dark Horse Podcast goes through ivermectin. Okay. And covers it really well, you know, with all his, like, disclaimers, like, you know, don't take me down, YouTube. I'm a scientist, and I'm not telling anyone to take this. It's just I'm just pointing out that, you know, Four billion doses of this have been passed out, and it's got a great safety record, and it seems to work really well. You know, 800 healthcare workers who took it, none of them got COVID. Um, you know, why wasn't this studied? So, all stuff we've covered here, um, but it's getting out there, and for what it, for whatever reason, I mean, this this clip is getting posted everywhere and going super. Uh, 
you know, it's going viral. I don't know how, how much longer till YouTube either tries to shut it down or if they're going to let Ivermectin uh, get talked about now, too. Now that, you know, Orange Man Bad is gone, I guess we can talk about this stuff. Um, the fact that it's being dished out like candy in India and their giant wave that was going to kill everyone is going away. Um, certainly not talked about too much in the media, but anyway, that was a, a good thing. Um, I know I sent it to people who aren't necessarily open to what we talk about or, you know, but might be open to a Brett Weinstein clip. So that's, uh, that I thought that was interesting. Uh, also interesting and something that he talks about is uh, Merck, the company that originally made ivermectin, you know, they the compound was invented. The guy won the Nobel Prize for it. Merck uh, patented and put it put it out there. And then once the patent ran out, they lost interest, and they only produced like five percent of the ivermectin on the planet anymore. Um, but they came out and, and basically said, oh, we don't know if ivermectin's safe or not. This is after they've dished it out to kids for decades um, and bragged about it. Just yep. being this. Look, look at this good thing we did. Yeah. Yeah. So then uh, it comes out a day after the Merck, you know, there's unclear safety information on ivermectin for, for COVID-19. They were awarded a grant for like $350 million to develop a medication for COVID-19 by the U.S. government. And, you know, what I hope they're doing is just like fancying up ivermectin and then they're going to put that out for it'll be hundreds of dollars a pill. But, you know, if it helps people, great. Uh, I'm afraid that it might be worse than that. They might find a way to make it dangerous. But I I totally, e. out, you know, it's yeah. I e. Regeneron. Um, it's outrageous that the fact that pharmaceutical companies are the source of these of this information is not revealed. You know, WHO talks about it. U.S. government talks about it. The you know, everywhere it's like, oh, you don't want ivermectin. It's dangerous. You know, we science says so. And in reality, science says exactly the opposite. What's the parallel of the hydroxychloroquine but without quite as much press coverage and without yeah. quite as much uh, negative coverage? Remember, the hydroxychloroquine study was then redacted. Uh, re- no, no, not redacted, retracted. The the danger of hydroxychloroquine that can hurt the heart. And uh, mm-hmm. I spoke to people uh, very close to me and who uh, were famous podcasters who were you know, worried about the uh, the effect the uh, effects of hydroxychloroquine and how dangerous it was for your heart and whatnot, and uh, didn't get a lot of coverage in the media when then, hey, we're, that, actually that, that study was wrong. Those people yeah, were because, already going to die. and uh, they, they were giving it to shape. people, and uh, Chris White did a great breakdown on this. Uh, those studies were giving it to people who had already had COVID for an average of 16 days, and giving them four times what the WHO previously considered a lethal dosage of hydroxychloroquine. 
that was how the study was done. Hmm. Seems legit. Yeah. Uh, oh, look, these people are dying. Yeah. Pure, absolute evil. And, you know, ivermectin, they didn't even go through the trouble of that. It was just like, oh, Merck says they're not sure if it's safe after 4 billion doses given out. Well, I guess it must not be safe. You don't want to take that horse, that horse medication. I mean, who, I mean... Nobody listens to this show, but it's unfortunate that so many people still listen to the mainstream media and drug companies. I mean, yeah. and I actually, and, I, and I haven't figured out the the connection between mainstream media, drug companies, and the government. Yeah. I'm looking at you, Jimmy Dore. I'm looking but, at you, people. You know, people will hate big corporations, or they will hate the government. <laughs> they will not figure out that those two things are are working together. But anyway, meanwhile, uh, it's it not. But it's not just limited to the television, right? We've been talking about the TV, and the TV's been lying to you for the last ten years. We've been doing this podcast, but it's not just limited to that. It's uh, people in these institutions. Um, I actually got an email recently from a uh, a, a doctor. Actually, it was from a family member who was advised by a doctor on uh, whether or not to uh, be able to uh, hang out with people. And I wanted to just kind of give you a a rundown of what this thing says. Uh, the current treatment this person's undergoing weakens the immune system overall and may portend a severe case with COVID if contracted. No vaccine is 100%. The immune system is the weakest approximately 7 to 14 days after each treatment. As a general rule, I would try to avoid interaction with non-vaccinated folks as able throughout the course of chemo, especially that 7 to 14 day window each cycle, and continue with masks and hand hygiene, etc. That being said, I understand the priority of seeing family members. I would really encourage uh, adult family members to get vaccinated as the vaccine is now readily available to all adults in Washington State. I think the safest option would be to continue to visit but would return to masking up both you and children and um, both you children and adult, all adults and children. How about that? Uh, until everyone is vaccinated. Happy to discuss this in more detail when we meet again. Sincerely, your doctor. So I am one of the adults that has to be vaccinated and wear a mask in order to hang out with this family member because of this physician now. So, uh, <laughs> Unfortunately, wow. yeah. So that was that was that was that came down to me. That was uh, sent over to me. Um, I made. Uh, I didn't have to, but there were other people who were able to to tell this person that that was not in the cards, and that we would talk about the masking situation. And so now we have uh, two week windows where we are not allowed to see said person because they're going through some chemo treatments and whatnot. So. My point is, it's not all the TV. There are doctors out there telling people, "Hey, you got to uh, to do these things." Yeah, I'm. I'm not prepared to talk about chemo today, but that's a whole other subject. Yeah, and I I 100% agree with you on that. I'm I'm with you on that, and uh, we could talk about that at a different time. But yeah, we have a uh, a million stories in this folder to go, so uh, let's move <laughs> on. 
Oh, well, where do you want to go, Tim? I have no idea, man. There is so much in this folder. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't yeah, follow let's, Rev... Let's play, the, let's play the good news. Let's play the good news from okay. Africa. That's a good one, especially after the email. That wasn't necessarily good news. No. But if you are not following Revelations Radio News on Twitter, which is at R-E-V Radio News, uh, please do so. All of these stories get tweeted out throughout the week as Andrew and I find them. So uh, please... Follow that account on Twitter. If you go to our revelationsradionews.com, there's a link in the sidebar. Oh, also in the sidebar, there's a new picture. It says, get Andrew's book. And you literally just click the book, and it takes you to the support page. We had somebody come through the webpage and then send an email and say, hey, Amazon doesn't sell this book anymore. How do I get it? So I wanted to let everybody know. Literally just click the book. So, okay. Good news. Let's hear it. The COVID-19 vaccination center in Goma in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Nurses wait for members of the public to show up for a free vaccine. Hours go by, sometimes days, before a patient appears willing to get inoculated. Only about 5,000 people out of 90 million have taken up the offer of a vaccine. Among those unwilling to get vaccinated are health workers, doctors and nurses, who don't trust the vaccine. We don't know the real truth about the vaccine. Our government isn't very clear with us on who should be getting it, elderly people or us. We just don't understand what is in it and who it is for. And until they provide us with some clarity, I refuse to get inoculated. Fear of the vaccine appears to be spreading faster than the vaccine itself. Since the Ebola outbreak, there has been a general distrust in the country among health workers with people fearing that they spread viruses instead of protecting the population. Add to that videos online like this one, where a French doctor last year suggested that vaccines should be tested on Africans before being administered to Europeans. Faced with such skepticism, the government is giving away 1.3 million doses of AstraZeneca vaccines it received last March to other African countries. But they too are struggling to inoculate their populations. In South Sudan and Cameroon, only a fraction of their populations is vaccinated. There are many rumors and much misinformation online, but in regions where most people don't have access to the internet, that alone doesn't explain why so many are not taking up a vaccine free of cost. The UN says governments aren't doing enough to accurately inform their citizens and make doses readily available to them. In Uganda, where there's only enough doses to vaccinate 1% of the population, President Museveni is leading by example. The India variant is already on the African continent, but without enough vaccine doses available and few vaccinated, the fear is the situation can only get worse. Nicholas Hawk, Al Jazeera. Hooray for Africa. <laughs> 5,000 out of 90 million Africans have taken the vaccine. Africa knows. And uh, obviously that's wrong. There's only 90 million in Uganda. There's 1.1 billion, 1.2 billion people in uh, Africa as a whole. Right, but so, the 5,000 number came from Uganda. Uganda the, the, or was it Uganda or Congo? The COVID-19 vaccination center in Goma in the Democratic Republic of Congo. You got it. It was Congo. Yeah. So there you go. So hooray for Africa and the Congo in particular. Well, Bill Gates has uh, been I, It It's kind of interesting that in this uh, hard-hitting investigative report by Al Jazeera, 
that the Gates Foundation uh, activities in Africa didn't come up as yeah. a possible reason why Africans are a little hesitant <laughs> hesitant uh, to get vaccinated. Hmm. In- interesting. <laughs> the hesit- hesitant is a funny word, right? Everybody, it, we got to get the vaccine hesitant, hesitant, and it keeps telling us. Well, the the other the other percentage, whatever percentage of people it is that are hesitant, they need to be convinced. What about the people that are just like, no, no, <laughs> no, I'm not <laughs> getting it. What about yeah. those people? They're trying to make those people feel alone. And I would be. Uh, let me let me go ahead and just read an email from one of our listeners. Speaking of which. This, this, this is from Jim. Jim works in the medical field. Jim has sent us many videos. Uh, Jim does, wants to remain anonymous, so I will just call him Jim. But uh, he wanted to say that he's happy that the um, videos he sent along were helpful. He said that it's also helpful to him personally to hear others are resisting the jab. I'm a registered nurse, and right now the pressure to get the vaccine is very high. I stay in ca- contact with a handful of other nurses that are also hesitant to receive the mRNA shots. So we share information with each other when someone finds something interesting. It really helps me to have these little support networks. RRN has been my favorite news podcast since I first heard it back in mid-2015 or so. I want to try and support it in any way I can whenever possible. This gentleman likes to hear from people like ourselves about how we're not going to get this vaccine. (laughs) And encourage gets encouraged from us saying that and that's what i want this podcast to be that's why we do this podcast to let other people know they are not alone that there are other people out there who see it even christians out there who see what's going on um and it's a perfect example he he, you know he feels kind of alone he feels lonely that uh, everybody's kind of getting forced into it and he remains hesitant because there there is an inverse phenomenon too right once people get vaccinated they become salesmen for the vaccine. It's bizarre. And it's, you know, I've seen this in people I know and heard kind of secondhand accounts too, where it's like, once you get suckered into it, you're like all in. And if, I think, if you know, if you're not dead, I think but. that's, ugh. I think that's where the awkward, um, Hey, you've been vaccinated yet comes from like the, Hey, right. yeah. Hey, because they're wanting to make sure that, you know, you are like the others. Uh, I guess it's a good enough time as any to insert my uh, anecdotal story. But let's just say uh, this week I got a chance to uh, meet a former NBA star who lives in the Seattle area. And uh, was able to spend some time with him uh, talking about other things. And uh, we kind of came across the subject of vaccines almost inadvertently because another person recognized him, came over and said, hey, let me get a picture. Don't worry. You know, get in close and took down his mask. He said, I'm vaccinated. And uh, to which this uh, former NBA player responded, I can't imagine. He used a lot of curse words, so I don't know how to say this, but he just says, I don't know why you guys mess around with that stuff. Um, I'm not into that. And then he and the guy said, oh, whatever. And they took a picture and moved on. I asked him about it a little later. I said, hey, what's going on with that? He goes, hey, how are you going to take something the government tells you is safe? They ain't ever ever tested it on animals, much less humans. How are you going to do that? (laughs) Just I got a a big kick out of that. I thought it was great. And uh, it led me to uh, call you and report the story to you and, and have a chuckle. And you pointed out something interesting, which was. 
something that's been discussed, I think, on the No Agenda podcast, as well as Mo Facts quite frequently. And that's that young African-American men and women are extremely vaccine hesitant. And, you know, we're being fed this stuff from the NBA that our dearly beloved Portland Trailblazers, everyone on the team has been vaccinated. So um, which led you to kind of question based off of my experience, you know, are they just making that up? Is that just something they just came up with? I'm not buying it. Yeah, I I would agree 100 percent with you. And there's even uh, this 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 clip here from uh, the most <laughs> King the, James. Yeah, well, it's LeBron James, and I was thinking about this. I've 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 liked LeBron when he was in Cleveland. I've hated him when he was in, in the with the Heat. I liked him back in Cleveland. I hated him now in Los Angeles. <laughs> once he once he defended the, the CCP and then pretended to read the Malcolm X book, I was all the way off. But I almost feel for him in these situations. And you got to admit, one of the things I brought up before on this show. Barack Obama was like in the main spotlight for four, four years and then another four years. So eight years. And then he was done. I mean, LeBron James is like in the spotlight for everything he does his whole life. And so for that reason, I do feel bad for him. But yeah, he I mean, is he, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated when that mattered as like a high school, I don't know, sophomore, junior. I mean, there are few people on earth with as much scrutiny and media attention as LeBron James commands. But these clips are few and far between, so we got to take them when we can get them. Anything I do off the floor is uh, you know, predicated to my family, you know, uh, for the majority, I mean, for 99.9% of that. So, you know, it's about the health and safety of my family, um, and that's what it came down to. Uh, me being available to my teammates uh, on the floor is me taking care of my body. Do you mind me asking if that if you're confirming that you did get the vaccine? Uh, it's not. It's not a big deal. it's not a big deal don't worry ladies and gentlemen he got it it's not a big deal he won't say he got it and the former nba star i talked to says he sure wasn't going to get it but you know let's just uh keep believing that 60 to 70 percent of the american public has been vaccinated at this point Mm -hmm. i'm not buying it i am not buying it i think they're just trying to pressure you into thinking you are alone Yes, but, uh, and that they're also trying to pressure you into thinking that there are mandates when there aren't. Exactly. Like exactly. show me, yep. show me a real vaccine mandate. Yep, absolutely. For anything. Yep. Yep. That's that's a hundred percent accurate. It, everybody still thinks that you have to get it to travel. Well, I want to travel, so I know <laughs> what you don't have to. You don't have to. They're and trying I, to make you think you do, but you don't have to. And I don't know why you would want to attend a university in the u.s right now but you don't have to do it to attend a university either there will yeah my home state of oklahoma i saw this i didn't verify it i should probably investigate further but i saw something go out yesterday that said that they made it uh illegal to mandate masks on uh, children uh and to attend universities so yeah that is certainly headed in the right direction uh it would have been nice uh I don't know. September. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll even take September, the beginning of this year. But they're they're now moving in that direction, which is nice. Um, And we've talked about this before. But you and I live in the uh, communist utopia, the Pacific Northwest. You know, the original vaccine hesitant crowd are these people. (laughs) Absolutely. I don't want... Yep. Monsanto. Yep. I don't. I don't want the 
vaccines. I want organic, healthy food. And <laughs> somehow, at the media per the media portrayal of these same people is that, oh, everyone's on board. Everyone yep. wants the vaccine. Yep. You know, I'm sure maybe some of them have bought into it, but I, I think there's quite a few honest lefties who won't go anywhere near the vaccine. They won't Absolutely. advertise that fact, but uh, you, you can bet they're, they're signing the waiver for their kids not to get vaccinated. Absolutely. We're talking Birkenstocks and socks. We're talking about keen sandals. We're talking about patchouli. We're talking about PCC shoppers, your local grocery co-op, that crowd who tend to be the ones who have the coexist bumper stickers and drive the Priuses. Those people who will say, orange man, bad, we got to get them out. I don't care who we get in there. Those same people don't like drug companies, don't like vaccines. I took my dog to the vet. I said, I don't, I don't want her to get any vaccines. And they said, well, she's supposed to get this, this, and that. And I said, again, I don't want her to get any vaccines. To which the nurse responded, totally understand. I don't vaccinate my dog either. Hold on one moment while I go <laughs> get the doctor. So these are the people. And they're trying to convince you that all of these people have bought into it. I'm telling you right now. They have not. They just may not be on the streets telling you. And they also are probably on the streets wearing a mask because they don't want to be seen as a Republican. But that's a story for another day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The uh, And, you know, same subject, but mask mandates. Oregon's getting pointed out as like the, you know, harshest vaccine passport mask requiring state out there. And. I can still walk right into the post office, walk right into the grocery store, no mask, no problems. You know, maybe a dirty look from a a customer now and then, but but no issues. So it's a it's a media created facade, and if you reject it, you see the other side of it. And like like you're talking about that that nurse at the vet's office never would have said that to someone who was getting their their dog vaccinated, but once she knew you were against it, like, oh, I, I don't vaccinate my, my dog either. Same thing with uh, medical workers and this vaccine. There's a lot of resistance, um, including Fauci's employees, <laughs> underlings at the NIH. Yep. Yeah, and I have a personal story about some, Did- uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I'll tell you kind of off air because it, it's, it's some good information, but... Uh, not everybody at drug companies is doing it either. So some, well, I guess not as happy news. Do you want to play, and you can kind of cut it off where you want. It's a little too long to play all of it. But uh, post-jail interview, Pastor Tim Stevens on his arrest in his church from Rebel News. You want to play some of that? This is the, um, one of the Canadian pastors who was arrested for the crime of having a church service. And this is not over yet. I, I don't imagine this is going to end anytime soon. Uh, there's been a real real change in shift uh, in, in the political landscape, even among conservatives, about the role of the government and about the use of force and enforcement. And so I'm, I'm continually shocked that I'm in this place as a pastor seeking to, to care for my flock and care for my family. You know, 
Jason Kenney mentioned uh, in his victory speech that Alberta is an idea where, where responsibility is given to the people rather than an impersonal bureaucratic state. And what we're seeing now is an, impers- an impersonal bureaucratic state, you know, govern the life of my family to tell me who I can have in my home, uh, actually forbid anybody from coming in my home, where I ought to go, uh, forbidding or restricting what we do as a church to worship. And so, so these are, are clear violations of not only the scriptures, but they're clear violations of our charter rights and freedoms. And they've been continuing month after month after month. There's no recourse. Uh, the courts are so slow. Our politicians are not answering. And so what recourse do we have but to continue to live our lives as peacefully and as best that we can um, in, in, in the face of such, you know, really a, a totalitarian kind of government that is encroaching upon the citizens of Alberta. And it, it's, it's incredible. I, I can't believe it. The, the whole interview is certainly worth listening to, but, you know, that that's what I've been talking about on here. You know, what are we going to do? It's not about... It's not about violent insurrection. It's not about even protesting and brick throwing and what have you. It's about living your life the way we've always, <laughs> you know, that we have a right as human beings uh, to live and to not allow petty tyrants to say, you can't do that anymore. You can't go to church anymore. You can't. You know, let your kids play with other kids without a mask anymore. This is it. We have to stop because the bureaucrats will never decide. Okay, that's enough. Uh, they decide that when people start openly, calmly, uh, but blatantly rejecting their mandates, then all of a sudden Reject- the rules change. Yeah, reject their mandates and also, you know, work to get them out of office if they continue to do this baloney. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was a some posts recently about Camas, Washington, and Washougal down there, just north of the the river from you, where mm-hmm. uh, some school board meetings were were kind of, you know, it, I don't know if you would say I don't want to say devolving. How about evolving into <laughs> parent led kind of mutinies where they t- over overruled the school board and told them we're not wearing masks anymore at school. And that, you know, they need to start listening to the people, not the bureaucrats who are in charge, but the, the actual parents. And that's what they were elected to the school board to do and uh, saying that they're, they're just not going to, they're not going to go along with it anymore. And I think more and more we need to see that sort of thing. And like you, even with just with your email, my daughter will not wear a mask on the, on the, uh, the recess, the play yard. That those sort of things have to be kind of taken, and and, and, and we have to make a stand. You know, I I don't think it's coincidental, and I don't think I was the only one saying that. And then all of a sudden, what do you know? The rules change. And I was out in a, a small town out eastern Oregon, and all the, the public school, you know, public school kids were out on break, not a mask to be seen. Go into their city hall, not a mask to be seen. So, you know, (laughs) people were stopping the following of these bogus rules. All the pretense of, you know, oh, it's the science, it's preventing COVID, all all that stuff was totally wiped out by, you know, partially thanks to Rand Paul questioning Fauci and the, the other stuff that's been going on, you know, 
admitting, okay, it is aerosolized and it's not on surfaces and you can't get it from going down a slide at the playground. Um, but it's the it's a kind of a chicken and egg argument, but the reality is the disobedience or the civil disobedience comes before the change of the rules. Absolutely. And they, they will then react very quickly, and they did react very quickly. I mean, Oregon went from no change to the masking rules. It will happen before the end of the year to two days later lifting the outdoor masking rules. Which has been insane from the beginning. Don't you remember? Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. remember, remember last April, Deborah Burks was on national television talking about she saw someone in the great outdoors with a mask on and was like laughing. Like, <laughs> you can't have that. It's not helpful in the great outdoors. It's been a misinformation that people have been getting. Deborah yeah. Burks <laughs> telling people yeah. not to mask outdoors. And then just, you know, one year later, everybody's forgotten that, uh, that we're supposed to be, uh, you know, you're not supposed to mask up outside. It's just. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's time to push back now. I was thinking about this a little bit because it does seem like this stage of the Great Reset seems to be rolling back and we're on to the next one. But I, I think that it's important that we continue to make these stands now because it could come again, right? Next flu season. Oh, it, it, next, it time they release, cut, yeah. next time they release a bioweapon again. Next well, time and this flu and season this is, comes around. You know, one of the things I've been researching uh, for, you know, the podcast, but more so just for myself, this is not the first bioweapon attack. And this is not the first time they've tried to roll out a vaccine for a bioweapon attack. And, you know, what I've been looking at is Lyme disease, because I have Lyme disease, and looking into the history of it, where it came from. Uh, and there are an amazing number of parallels between... Lyme and COVID and another, uh, I don't know, bio, I would say bioweapon, uh, HIV AIDS and some, mm -hmm. some common actors in all three of them. So I don't know. You want to hear a little bit about that? I do. Okay. I think we all do, especially our, uh, wonderful listener from, uh, South Carolina who uh, sent us a, an, uh, a letter to our PO box. So and th this is um, this is where the homework comes in because I I'm still very new uh, in this research so there's I'm sure there's people listening that know a lot more than I do I'd be happy to hear recommendations on you know books to read documentaries to watch things like that so you know Lyme disease I knew about Lyme disease growing up uh, you know. My mom saying, oh, you know, don't get bitten by a tick. You might get Lyme disease. So the the history of it, though, and th this is, let me just go through some information taken from uh, Bitten, The Secret History of Lyme Disease and Biological Weapons by Chris Newby. And I've got a couple of kind of short sections to, to read, and uh, we won't certainly won't get to covering everything that's in the book today, but... Um, the, kind of the official story on Lyme disease is uh, a tick illness. If you get it, if you get bitten by a, one certain type of tick um, and you're in the northeastern United States, you know, close to Lyme, Connecticut, because that's where it was discovered. That's why it's called Lyme disease, named after 
after Lyme. Um, you know, it, but you get this bullseye rash and you take some antibiotics and you're fine. And then anything beyond that is is crazy talk. So an interesting thing that I didn't know until I started looking into it is that Lyme disease is actually three separate diseases that all popped up in the same area in the same year. So if you're going to claim that this was a naturally occurring, just, you know, some horrible product of evolution jumping from animals to people, uh, where have we heard that before? Uh, you know, uh, monkeys, HIV, bats, coronavirus. Uh, same sort of thing. Oh, you know, these deer ticks and all oh, something that can be passed to humans. Uh, actually, three different diseases all popping up, same area, and all very close to a bioweapons development center, Fort Detrick. Uh, it used to be known as Camp Detrick. So the, this book, uh, the, the person who, quote, discovered what what supposedly causes Lyme disease is uh, Willie Bergdorfer. He was, uh, he's not an American, he was grew up in Switzerland, um, got some research jobs studying ticks and eventually got sent out to um, Rocky Mountain Laboratory in Montana. Let me read a little bit here. So, all right. On November 5th, 1981, Willie Bergdorfer, a 56-year-old Swiss-American scientist, picked up a black-legged deer tick with forceps and sniffed, snipped off the tip of one of its legs. A small drop of tickbloid called hemolyph formed at the wound, and Willie smeared it on, on a glass slide and then slipped the slide under a microscope lens for viewing. Willie was working late at Rocky Mountain Laboratory, searching for the tick-borne microbe behind a mysterious illness that had been spreading across Connecticut and New York State in the 1970s. It started with flu-like symptoms, fever, malaise, fatigue, chills, headache, stiff necks, sore back, muscle aches. Many of the afflicted had joint swelling that would come and go. About 20% of the Connecticut patients observed a red expanding rash called an erythema migrans. Some patients went on to develop neurological and heart problems. Researchers called the illness Lyme disease because of the first set of human cases studied were clustered in the rural area around the township of Lyme, Connecticut. That evening, as Willie peered into the microscope's eyepiece, he was greeted by a, with a surprising sight. A roundworm of exceptional size filled the viewing area. He leaned back from the microscope to think. Never before this type of roundworm been seen inside a hard-body tick in the United States. Was it an accidental hitchhiker? Willie looked through a few more ticks and found another roundworm. Maybe the tick had picked it up after feeding on an infected rodent or deer? He pressed one of the ticks into his slab of clay and sliced open its belly with a scalpel. With Swiss, Swiss watchmaker's tools, he gently extracted yada yada, um, recognized them as a Borrelia, the same bacterial genus as the African relapsing fever spirochets uh, he'd studied as a student in Switzerland. And because he'd read most of the early scientific literature on these organisms, he remembered that several European researchers suspected they might cause a disease similar to one that was being investigated around Lyme, Connecticut. That, this was Willie's aha moment. Okay, so there's the official story. And he discovered what was happening in Lyme, Connecticut. 
So if you go back, um, so that was 19, what was it, 1981. So if you go back, um, he started working at the Rocky Mountain Laboratory in Montana in 1951. And then he went on to work for the NIH, well, or the agency before it became known as the NIH. And guess what he was doing, Tim? What would, you know, what would a young enterprising scientist be doing? Certainly not bioweapons research, right? What, what, what would they start him out doing? Gain-of-function research. <laughs> uh, close, close. Vaccine research. Ah, yes, yes, yes. So they, they tell him, you know, there's there's these diseases and we got to find vaccines to them. So he's, okay, yeah, I'm researching uh, researching for vaccines to help save humanity from these evil illnesses. Uh, the U.S. Public Health Service, which would later be renamed the National Institutes of Health, paid for the lab by developing, manufacturing, and distributing vaccines for spotted fever, encephalitis, relapsing fever, yellow fever, and other diseases transmitted from animal or arthropod vectors to man. Okay? So that's where he started out. Then he... Um, goes and works at the place that was then called Camp Dietrich, later known as Fort Dietrich. And let me. And they they worked at a place called. Uh, they had a couple big main research buildings on uh, at Fort Dietrich. One of them was known as Building 470 at the Anthrax Hotel. And the other one was called 8-Ball. And we've got a, a clip coming up, the top one of the two that I put in there um, in just a minute here. But So a block away from it was a tall windowless cube that housed the 8-Ball, a 1 million liter cloud chamber used for testing airborne bioweapons and vaccines on human volunteers and test animals. And there's actually a... Lyme disease documentary that I haven't seen. I've only seen the preview. I uh, just found out about it reading this book, but um, called Under the Eight Ball. Like his sister got Lyme disease, and his research led him to think that, hey, this this was a bioweapons thing. Um, do you want to? Did you find that clip? I did. It is sometimes necessary to try out a disease aerosol on volunteers. In 1951, at Fort Dietrich, Maryland, construction crews built a hollow metal sphere four stories high. Inside, germ weapons were to be exploded, creating mists of infectious aerosols for testing on animals and people. They called it the eight ball. Still allows the, the government to to do open air testing, for example, on Americans without their consent, approval, or knowledge, even all under the guise of national security. The volunteer children participated with the consent of their parents, such as Q fever, um, mycoplasma pneumonia, chlamydia pneumonia. Parvovirus, 
brucelliosis. Brucelliosis was very interesting. The disease has the properties of a biological warfare agent. I mean, it creates um, destruction. It doesn't kill you, but it can destroy you and disable you. They were looking for agents that would do that. It mimics natural infection so they can potentially spread it through insect vectors and claim that they didn't, you know, the government didn't do it. It's a natural epidemic. As a scientist, I was extremely intrigued. As a victim, I thought, oh my God, what are we up against? Clad in pajamas, the masked children are ready for the test. They do have something live in the blood that is not yet identified. It's called weaponization. If you, de if you declare it a biowarfare agent, then you can conduct, you can do any experiment you want for much. In the summer of 2007, my sister Lori was afflicted with an illness that at 10 months later had yet to be definitively diagnosed. But why, after a month of treatment, was Lori not getting better, but getting worse? Once being told by her neurologist that everyone dies. We were all very scared of what was happening to Lori. But even more frightening was the possibility that this was something that could have been prevented, or worse, that it was intentional in the name of science and national security. have to want to know. I mean, people people don't want to think. They don't want to be troubled. They want to watch TV and think that the world is fine. They don't want to think that their government is experimenting on people. And then they might have to do something about it. People don't want to think that their government is experimenting on people because then they might have to do something about it. So, Have you found the Under the Eight Ball documentary? Um, I've not, f not found an online version of it. I, I saw a place that still says you can purchase the DVD, because the site under the eight ball.com no longer can not, be found. No longer exists. Yeah. Um, so the, the connection of the guy who made that film to this book is that he went and interviewed, after making this film, he went and interviewed Willie Bergdorfer to try and prove his, uh, basically, biological weapons hypothesis for Lyme disease. And then he sent video of that interview to Chris Newby, um, the author of the book I'm talking about. And also, she was uh, involved with the pretty well-known Under Our Skin documentary about Lyme disease so th this is also after that documentary. So Willie Bergdorfer um, ends up in kind of a unclear but pretty definitive way admitting that he didn't tell the whole truth about how, you know, where Lyme disease came from and, and what have you. And if you look back on the timeline of his career... He went, you know, Fort Detrick where they were, that's what they were doing was biological weapons research. Um, they were, he was working with a guy who was <laughs> uh, trying to insert uh, the plague virus into ticks and fleas 
and then dropping them out of airplanes as um, as a weapons system. So there's an account of that. I've I've read you know part of Task 33 from the Cuba project before, uh, but the actual account. Um, a tall, flat-top bigger Texan in his mid-twenties started nodding off as he sat against the hull of the Fairchild C-123. Um, this CIA military project was headed up by Brigadier General Edward Lansdale, and the crew had been sheep-dipped, that is, given false identities that couldn't be traced back to the U.S. government. The Texan was a new guy recruited by the CIA right out of college because of his aptitude for learning new languages. He had been promised adventure— the co-pilot leaned out of the dimly lit cockpit and told the Texan, We're getting close. Both pilots were dressed in uniforms adorned with winged red, white, and blue Air America shields, the emblem of the sham airline run by the CIA for covert operations. The Texan moved two unmarked uh, cardboard boxes up near the cabin door to the left of the cockpit. He didn't know what was inside, only that he was supposed to dump its contents when the pilots told him to. It's time, the pilot said. The door opened with a blast of air, and the Texan glimpsed, glimpsed uh, lush vegetation below. He ripped open the first box. It was crawling with thousands of ticks. In haste, he dumped out the contents of both, threw out the boxes, and slammed the door. So he gets home from that mission, back to Texas. And his firstborn child, four-month-old son, comes down with a mild fever. They took him to the pediatrician who said it was probably the flu and told him to give the the infant aspirin and plenty of fluids. But the baby's fever kept rising, and when it hit 105 degrees Fahrenheit, they couldn't wake him. So they rushed him to an emergency room and handed their limp ragdoll infant to a triage nurse. When the child stopped breathing, the medical team performed an emergency tracheotomy, puncturing a hole in the front of his neck and snaking a breathing tube down his windpipe. Back in the waiting room, a physician told the parents, I'm afraid I have some bad news. Your son has a serious inflammatory brain disease. We don't know what caused it, but even if he recovers, he'll most likely have permanent brain damage. Now the only thing that Texan and his wife could do was wait. Teams of doctors filed past their son each day, looking at his chart, scratching their heads. The couple was mentally preparing for the worst when a young resident with a Spanish surname approached and said, I used to work in a tropical medicine clinic in Cuba, and I've seen this disease before. I know how to treat it. The disease was bug-borne and had a long, hard-to-remember name. The baby recovered fully. Later, the Texan asked his CIA operations commander if the illness could be related to his Cuban mission, codenamed Operation Mongoose. The commander replied, I can't give you any details, but you really need to burn all the clothes you took to Cuba. Burn everything. So, Operation this, Mongoose with Joe Pesci. Operation Mongoose from JFK. They have weaponized ticks for the overthrow of the Castro Cubans. And But if you look back at the uh, declassified documents that you can get, it talks about this exact plan, dumping ticks to infect the, the Cubans and, and disable them. And then it says, oh, we, you know, we did some testing and figured out it wasn't feasible and this never happened. Yikes. We know that it did happen. Right. So kind of an interesting window into how government documents work. Like, you know, what's a successful, what's a test and what's the actual operation? 
uh, kind of like what was being talked about in that documentary. If they call it a test, they can get away with pretty much anything, including stuff against Americans without their knowledge. And Children. It was in that video. Children wearing yeah. pajamas. I mean, that's nuts. Yeah. So I believe this is uh, relevant, even if, you know, people out there listening don't have Lyme disease or aren't dealing with Lyme disease, because this is the same playbook. This is, these are the same people, and they're right back to experimenting on us. It's an experimental vaccine, and that's, that is their out. Like, oh, you know, it's emergency use authorization. We're not liable for it. The government's not liable for it. No one's liable for it. And But you're crazy if you doubt that that's safe for you. So, yeah, anyway. absolutely crazy. Well, that's a uh, that's a good report. Hopefully, we'll we'll keep you'll keep them coming. We'll keep uh, keep us in the loop on this book. Yeah, there's there's some other um, kind of connections. You know, like if you look at CDC approved testing, obviously we've talked tons about the issues with PCR testing for COVID. The PCR testing for Lyme is also uh, very faulty, but in the exact opposite direction. Instead of coming up with tons and tons of false positives, you end up with lots and lots of false negatives. Interesting. And what that allows them to do, uh, basically, you, you have to test positive for three different things. Otherwise, the CDC says it's a negative test and you don't have Lyme disease. Well, there's you can get a private company to do more accurate testing and tell you like buy in they call them bands like do I have this antibody or not and you you know it doesn't just give you positive or negative it gives you positive or negative by these individual things that are broken out and there's one that is it's only it only deals with Lyme disease. And that should be a positive test for Lyme disease, but yeah, according to the CDC, it's not. You have to test positive for that and multiple other things. And so this is, you know, been res- the result has been that they've told people with Lyme disease, oh, there's nothing wrong with you. Oh, it's all in your head. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, you can come up with whatever motivation or reason that they're doing that that you want but that's that's the reality of it and there was actually a lyme disease vaccine which i i didn't know about till i looked into this uh it was marketed from 1998 to 2002 but it was pulled for poor sales so i and there's still been work going on on it so i've got a feeling eventually they might roll it back out and say oh look you know 5% 5% of the population has Lyme disease and we've got a vaccine so no one else gets it and you know it, it might make a, a comeback in the media but we'll see that's a good that's a good prediction wow wow so uh, yeah continue to keep us in the loop with that and uh, we'll, we'll keep checking back in with this uh, Lyme disease research uh, somebody in my family actually has Lyme disease I know we've spoken off air I don't know you know, we haven't spoken on air about it, but there's someone pretty close to me also struggling with the Lyme disease and, you know, really limited their diet quite substantially. I mean, right. It's a 
kind of a different kind of Lyme disease. It's related to the, I'm not yeah. even sure what it's related to, but. Well, it's a, it's another, <laughs> it's another tick-borne illness that, you know, there's a, the, the Lyme disease term kind of is used for tick-borne illness that's a little broader than just Lyme disease. So that's it. I think babesiosis is that one where you can't eat, can't eat mammals. Can't eat mammalian meat. And I think that's uh, what my, my family member has. So yeah, well, it, you know, the Fort Detrick stuff, you start looking into it. I thought the, uh, giving people LSD, you know, soldiers LSD without telling them was bad, but, uh, yeah, dumping just, ticks on an un, unwilling stick, pop or unknowing population. Full stick of, your uh, face in here and breathe some uh, some bioweapons fumes. Let's see what happens to you. Yeah, on kids no less, and then dumping ticks on an unsuspecting population. Those are pretty pretty intense. So I think it's the same playbook. The biosecurity state moves forward. That's why we got to stand up now against the mass because eventually they're going to come up with something even more deadly. And we need to have instilled in them that we're not going to cooperate as well as we did this time. So, and and I mean it's it's kind of a matter of survival at this point. Like actually holding some of these people. If you look back at HIV/AIDS, Fauci is there. You know, lots of Francis Collins is there. These same people are involved all the way through. All the eugenics people. All the you know. Quote genetics research people uh, and these these diseases they uh, I think it was in that that clip for the documentary preview one of the hallmarks of a bioweapon is that there's lots of different symptoms because the the idea is then it, it makes it tougher to recognize and it makes it tougher to trace and tougher to treat and deal with. And you see that with COVID. I mean, it's like we joked about it on our podcast, like everything but a sneeze can be COVID. Right. Well, and, and I think part of that too is just every human being is different, right? Every immune system is different. Yeah. Every, you know, it's not, we're, not, we're not all exactly the, one and the same, which is why you can't give the same medication to everybody. Some people are allergic to stuff. You know, my wife is allergic to... Uh, Shoot, what's not not penicillin, but I think it's amoxicillin. Mm, yeah, you know, which is a very it, common antibiotic. Yeah, yeah, super common. But you know, and you could give that to most people, and they would never have an issue. But yeah. my wife is, you know, really allergic to it because everybody's different. Mm-hmm. So when you start injecting people with things that's going to alter their DNA, people are going to have different reactions to that. Some are going to die now. Some are going to die later. Some are going to have blood clots. Some are not. I mean, it's just. Yeah, and it. It, and, and I think when you make a bioweapon, you got to remember, right? Let's talk about it. Let's get let's get into it. Really, this is a this is a spiritual war. This is the the enemy, Satan, trying to overthrow God's civilization, the world that God created, and and God created this in harmony, and man was kind of in charge of everything. And now we have you know Satan using man to create weapons to try and kill man and you're basically they're struggling to overcome the immune system because the immune system is designed to be able to take in the germs that are available to it in the world and 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 make it through it of course there's you know 
exceptions to every rule. There's poisonous toads and, you know, there is sicknesses that'll kill you, pneumonia being one of them. And just, you know, there's been sicknesses throughout time. But creating one that's more effective and more widespread has been the goal of the enemy for a long time. And I think of different militaries around the world at different times. Yeah. And as they try to hack all these viruses together and then tell you it's from a pangolin or a bat or wherever in the <laughs> world it's from, and they start giving it to everybody, everybody's going to have different reactions. And on this one, there was a weird issue with the kids basically don't care. Like, kids get the COVID and they're fine. Yes, so, with, with the COVID bioweapon, but we certainly don't know, and early indications are the opposite, that the... The bioweapon known as the COVID vaccine uh, looks to be much more harmful to kids than than the the bioweapon virus. Or you Which know, begs the question: Why are we giving it to children since the the vaccine or since the illness itself is almost completely harmless to kids? And and the similarities between <laughs> I looked at the similarities between uh, Lyme disease. There's Lyme carditis, heart that can cause heart palpitations, uh, chest pain, and it like weird platelet counts. Not just similar to COVID, but similar to COVID nineteen vaccine effects too. I mean, we've right. you know, I mean, crazy things like a, a lady takes the vaccine it has a zero platelet count. You know, I mean, just insane reactions, far more serious than than even the the wild type COVID-19. Well, and the, let's not forget, we talk about him frequently, the French uh, Nobel Prize winner who immediately said it was a bioweapon when he looked at it under a microscope. Mm-hmm. Um, he said it was man-made, and there was parts of the HIV virus in there. And let's not forget the people who are taking the COVID test and testing positive for HIV. This all screams man-made, stitched together. We only know that this one protein or virus can spread and so let's let's splice that in with these and see if we can get something more deadly you know almost like they're trying to gain a function research well and that you know is is the virus the weapon or is the spike protein the weapon yeah yeah because it hiv you know does hiv really cause aids or is there is there other stuff going on there you know this is it's a hallmark of, of bioweapons, and it's, you know, just don't give your kids the vaccine, people. Come on. Don't volunteer your children to get the vaccine. And if, you, if you wouldn't sign them up to go breathe in some, uh, you know, stuff from the, the eight ball at Fort Detrick, don't sign them up to get the vaccine. Couldn't agree more. I do know a few people who will not be submitting their children to these testing, and those are producers of this show. We have many producers of the show. As a matter of fact, last episode, Revelations Radio News, episode 229, had many producers. We were not able to thank them because it was an interview with um, the great Mr. James Corbett. So I am going to go through these. I also want to go through a programming note just real quick, kind of housekeeping stuff. We will be making donations and announcing them by first name and then location. So we will not be saying full names at all. And if you would like to remain anonymous, like we have one in the next donation segment or part that is completely anonymous, then you have to tell us that you want to remain anonymous and we will do so. 
Otherwise, we'll just go with first names. Does that sound like a plan to you, Mr. Hoffman? Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Good. Uh, so last week, Ricky, uh, so it produces episode 229, and I will go back and uh, actually add these names as producers of the previous show and put it in the show notes. Now that I'm announcing you as a producer for Revelations Radio News episode 229, we had Ricky from North Dakota with $40 donation. Thank you very much. We had Timothy from over here in Ellensburg, Washington with me, uh, $25. We had Edward from North Carolina. Um, we had $30 from him. Thank you, sir. Uh, David, uh, came in with $25 from a cloudy suburb of Boston, Massachusetts, as he said (laughs) when he, uh, emailed me. So thank you for that donation. Uh, we have another person from Ellensburg, uh, this one, Timothy, and this is his second donation. This one is $30. Thank you, sir. Uh, Rodney from Beaverton, Oregon, just over next to you. How far is Beaverton from where you are? Oh, uh, 70 minutes. 70 minutes. There you go. Beaverton. Oh, no. uh, Less than that from Cascade Locks. Yeah. yeah. Less than an hour. So, uh, Rodney, thank you for that $35 from Beaverton. Here's one. Uh, This gentleman and I have been emailing a little bit back and forth. This is Ian from WA, also known as not Washington, but (laughs) Western Australia. Ian and I have been doing a little bit of email, and he gave me some boots on the ground report. They are still locking up provinces. You cannot travel wow. between provinces down in uh, in uh, uh, Australia in order because of the COVID vaccine or because of the COVID, excuse me <laughs> because of the COVID virus. So uh, <laughs> you he sure? did point out to me that Western <laughs> Australia is a quarter of the size of the United States. It's a humongous state, so it doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily bother him. But he did say more disturbingly, they're not letting people who are outside the country and citizens back in at this point. So. Weird stuff still going on down there. Linda, I misspoke. You're not from South Carolina. You are from North Carolina. She is our P.O. Box donator for this week. Thank you very much for that. And, of course, uh, she sent us $100 and a wonderful note that Andrew and I were greatly encouraged by. So thank you very much, Linda. Also, we'll, we'll wrap it up with Gerard from uh, Furhouse, Ireland with $35. Thank you, guys. You guys will all be added to producer list of Revelations Radio episode uh, 229. Thank you so much for, for, for your donations. As you may have noticed, we don't read ads. We don't do any of that stuff. We're not going to have commercials or anything like that. This will be completely listener-supported. And that doubles as being, you don't have to listen to ads, which is nice, and as being uncancelable. Because I'm sure eventually people are <laughs> going to try to cancel this show. And as long as we have a direct tie don- to donations and listening to you guys through RSS, email, and whatever paid I, do- wall that we can, uh, that is going to continue to help us. I would be honored if they tried to cancel us. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, i made it it's, it's kind of like the the seinfeld episode where he's like do you really think you're bombable i i could be bombable i, I could be cancelable <laughs> yeah i think this is uh i think it'll eventually happen eventually i don't know how but uh for now we're, we're still chugging along i think uh, i'll predict that a certain uh online payment uh First, uh, <laughs> online payment company will be the first ones to cancel us. But yeah, they like we'll, to cancel people. We'll see where we are. For now, we still have to give our pound of flesh to them. So 
uh, hopefully they'll keep us on for the 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 the, the pennies that we'll, we'll end up giving them. So onward to this episode, which we're currently listening to, where where Andrew Hoffman is breaking down the research um, uh, Lyme disease and showing us that it's actually a bioweapon. Good information that you're not going to hear anywhere else. Revelations Rep- Radio News episode two thirty. Thank you. First off, to Matthew. Do you want me to read a few of these? Tim? Please. Thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, Matthew gave us $80, and he's from the the UK. Uh, Theodore from Canada gave us $40. Thank you very much, Theodore. Max uh, gave us $30 from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Thank you. Uh, Anonymous gave us $100. Thank you very much, Anonymous. David uh, from California. Can you believe? I can't believe people from California listen to us, but they do. <laughs> and donate to the show, $75. See, not everyone in California. It's it's. We shouldn't sell it to Mexico. We should try to try to reclaim it. And, spe- and uh, speaking of people getting a, an on, or spe- speaking of an online payment company getting a pound of flesh from us, uh, these three actually donated to the bo box which we are loving i would also like to point out to you andrew uh we already paid for the po box my friend he laughed when i got the po box and said i hope you have another use for it <laughs> so thank True you to story. the PO box maybe, donors maybe past experience on my part all right uh william from clearwater florida one of the freer states in the u.s 50 dollars. thank you very much william penny from Camas, Washington, right up the right up the street, basically. Yeah, you could just walk that one over to her. Yep, thirty dollars. Thank you very much, Penny. Kirk from New Zealand, thirty dollars. Thank you, Kirk. Nikolai, who said that he has listened to every single one of our episodes. So, thank you so much for that, and thank you for the thirty dollars. Nikolai from Santa Rosa, California, another Californian, not easily offended, clearly. Uh, Tor from Norway. How awesome is that name, Tor? Tor. Pretty awesome. Uh, $40, very cool. Thank you, Tor. Ryan from Truxton, Missouri, $25. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, Danny, thank you, Danny. He, Danny's from uh, Washington, and uh, I believe he is a uh, subscriber by time period. We're getting a little bit of money from him almost every month. So we thank you, Danny. He's from uh, over here in uh, in Washington, I believe. Let me get the town right. Oh, it's not, I didn't list it here either. So, but he's 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 been a, a big supporter of the show. I think he's down in uh, the South Seattle area. Great, thank you, Danny, and. Uh, Gennaro, I apologize if I said your name wrong. $25 from Lindhurst, New Jersey. Thank you, Gennaro. And there's one more. I threw it on there yesterday or today. I don't know if yours updated yet, but there is a Patrick. Oh, wait a second. This is Patrick. He donated again, but he has actually already got a book because he donated previously. Uh, I wanted to kind of maybe you could update everybody on who's gotten books. Pretty much everybody that we just read has books sent out, except for... if I read your name uh, through Kirk in New Zealand, your book is in route. Uh, Nikolai on down. I will try to get those to the post office either 
It's probably going to be tomorrow at this point. But. Got it. Nikolai, Ryan, Tor, Danny. Or Dan, no, no, Danny. Nikolai, Ryan, uh, Tor, and Gennaro. Your, uh, your, uh, your books shall be on the way. And uh, I apologize if I didn't get back to you if you emailed or... Uh, We've got some got some great emails. Tim managed to suck me back into reading and responding to emails, and they they are fantastic. So thank you. I send I send them only the best ones. I'm like a filter <laughs> for them, so I don't want them to get too uh, to get too tired of the of the emails and stuff. But uh, I want you to know, my friend. Just since this uh, podcast started back up, I mean, I can't. If I tried to get all of them, there has been a lot. We have gotten a lot of emails, my friend. Yeah. Just in May alone, I think. Let's see our news email from just May. I don't know how to do it, but it, it there's a lot. I've, I think I've, yes, I've responded to 50 emails recently, and thank you for that. Thank you guys for sending the emails. Thank you for sending information. Thank you for sending your point of view. The letters are appreciated. The stuff to the PO box is appreciated. Our good friend Simon from Switzerland. This poor guy. I wanted to let you know he sent us something to our PO box. A month ago. <laughs> oh wow! I I just checked it today before mm-hmm. the show. Nothing. Still don't have his stuff. So I've oh, gotten wow. a lot of stuff from other people, but we have some uh, something inbound from Switzerland. Uh, still not, still not, still not there. So who knows how long some of this stuff is going to take? Uh, who knows how long it's going to take to get to you if you're in New Zealand and you're getting a book, or Western Australia, or Ireland? So uh, report back. Let us know when you got it. All those books are sent out. Um, so thank you very much for your support of the show. And I also just wanted to say, uh, if you go to our webpage on the right-hand side, it says Get Andrew's Book with a picture of the cover. If you click that, it takes you right to the support page. So another way to continue to support us. All copies, or excuse me, all donations over $25. We get a free copy of The New World Order Eugenics Wars by Andrew Hoffman. Other people are asking, are you going to update the book with a new version, including COVID stuff? But I think the book stands on its own, including the COVID stuff. Uh, it may not be updated, but I think you predicted a lot of the things that are going to that that are taking place today. the The agenda was already in motion, you know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and but this has certainly been the biggest <laughs> uh, full scale rollout of the you know, medical martial law complex. So back then it was more kind of war on terror stuff, but it's definitely all medical martial law. One story we didn't get to that I do want to tell people to go read. Uh, We couldn't have read it all anyway, but uh, Whitney Webb did a great breakdown. The cover-up continues the truth about Bill Gates and Microsoft, and she does a great job of pointing out how the media coverage that, while they are critical of Bill Gates, is only critical of Bill Gates and Epstein 2011 on. They're trying to float that narrative that, oh, it was back in 2011 when Bill Gates met Epstein. Not true at all. Been going on for decades before that. Not just with Bill Gates, but many other people at Microsoft and many other people in Silicon Valley connections with epstein so lots of uh lots of friends of epstein servants of satan in silicon valley that's for sure absolutely there are going to be so many episodes or so many stories in the show notes please go to the show notes 
show notes of this episode because there will be a ton of stuff to read. Somebody pointed out they wanted to thank us just for getting together all of the news. And follow us, follow Revelations Radio News on Twitter as well so you can get that. To wrap us up, can you hit us with one story, Andrew, from our good (laughs) friends at the Babylon Bee? Uh, After World realizes he was right about everything, Alex Jones appointed head of the CDC. Yes. <laughs> yes. Congratulations, Alex, and uh, thanks for listening out there, people. <laughs> Alex Jones appointed the head of the new CDC. This is perfect. <laughs> I'm excited, yes. so he'll stop all that gain of function stuff. Yes. All right, everybody out there, uh, stay not woke. Uh, continue to uh, love your families. Get outside. Do the exercise when you can. And uh, keep listening to the show. Also check out other shows like for our instance, our guest last week, The Corbett Report. Great show. Uh, great uh, show with him. Always love chatting with James and uh, go check out his podcast. And keep an eye out for Chris White's podcast as they come out too. BibleProphecyTalk.com, Canary Cry Radio, another spot. We both listen to a little bit of No Agenda and Mo Facts. Those are the podcasts we recommend. Those are all using the value for value model as well. So we encourage you to support those podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in to us one more week. And until next time, we'll see you then. Or talk to you then or something. Okay. Oh, man, you nailed that whole thing. You just got to cut it off like two seconds early. Got it. (laughs) A copy of this podcast, as well as links to each story covered, are available at revelationsradionews.com. To contact Andrew and Tim, or to support Revelations Radio News, please visit revelationsradionews.com and click on the Contact tab or Support tab. Please check out the other podcasts at revelationsradionetwork.com, and thank you for your support of this podcast. Don't you say- You're listening to Revelations Radio News with Andrew Hoffman and Tim Kilkenny. You're listening to... You're... Yes, you did. I didn't even know it was recording still. My husband is a nerd.com.